Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96FM. Good morning. Tuesday morning, the whatever date it is. They all meld into one now at this stage. What have we got? 30th of March. Today is the day when Michal Martin will take to his feet again, tell us where we're going after the 5th of April. But by the looks of it, we're not going very far, lads. We might get to go out further out into the county. That seems to be the best bit of good news that we're getting so far. Yesterday, I was completely refusing to engage in any kind of speculation. But this morning, we're going to move from the realm of speculation to the realm of predictions. Because at this stage, it's pretty much out there as to what uh, is being advised by Neffet. Uh, and Neffet need to be taken seriously because we must remember, and let's be very honest and say this straight out at the outset, every time in the last 12 months that we have ignored Neffet or every time the government has thought it's known better than Neffet, the rest of us have paid the price. And let us remind ourselves of what happened before Christmas when Neffet said many weeks before Christmas do not do what you're thinking of doing they did it and look at the mess we ended up in then so the advice of Neffet last evening was very stern and very stark so we have to we have to take that in mind or into into consideration I guess when uh, knowing what happens after the 5th of April I'll catch up with the Sun's political correspondent Adam Higgins in a while uh, who has a, he's got a fairly good handle now on what is going to happen later on today and I'd like your thoughts too we look like we'll get out of the 5k but it won't happen on Easter Monday it looks it'll be it'll, it'll be a Monday or two after that and it looks like we'll get to do more outdoor activities and it looks like the children may be allowed to go back to playing their sport on Saturday morning which would be huge for them and a bit more besides that but I'll catch up with Adam before before half past nine this morning and throughout the day of course in your news bulletins you'll be updated we we expect that the Taoiseach will make his announcement sometime around uh, tea time <laughs> trust me to have a dentist's appointment when he's likely to be on his feet so Eric down there in Black Rock uh, you know the telly that you have on the ceiling that we can watch yeah you'll have to have that turned on so we can watch the Taoiseach while you're filling me teeth 
All right. Good morning, 1857-105-996, the number to call, the text to WhatsApp 83 96 the email opinion at 96fm.ie. But I want to kick off this morning with a Facebook post from a young man called Dave Thor Ford, who if you're into your MMA or your UFC or call it what you will, he was heavily involved in that for a number of years and fought, in fact, semi-professionally out of Cork for quite a number of years. And he got quite a, a big following in that MMA sector. Um, but what we didn't know or what anyone who followed him didn't really know was that behind it all, Dave was quite a troubled young man. Uh, Drink, drugs, diagnoses of ADHD, psychosis. He spent many, many weeks and months in hospital. And as we speak, Dave is in recovery at a place called Schliella, which is a wonderful mental health facility, a very different kind of mental health facility. But he posted on Facebook in the last couple of days, the first of what he says will be quite a few posts he starts off by saying this is me uncensored coming clean being nothing but truthful it will be a hard read telling my untold story it is all of that it is a very hard read and you'd never think that a guy you know in a profession like that confident and strong physically strong would have such difficulties in his background so I caught up Last evening with young Dave Thor Ford. So, Dave, I read your posts on Facebook, uh, very honest and open and very anxious to talk to you afterwards. Um, go right back to the start. Like, you were all, did you always feel a bit different at school? Did you feel a bit out of place at school as a little fella? Yeah, man, definitely. Um, I always kind of felt that I wasn't one of the cool kids, you know. Or I didn't really fit in that well at the, at the time. Like, I just couldn't relax, man. I couldn't do the things that everyone else was doing, you know. I couldn't keep head down, working away. I was always in trouble, like. Were you being bullied? Um, I was bullied outside in the street, but not, not in school. Mm. Was it people in school were bullying you outside, or...? Um, no, to be honest, uh, PJ, I was the only young fella my my stage, you know. Right. There was no other fellas my age, so, like... The park below me and the park above where the buddies, like. I was caught in between, like, you know. And what age were you at that stage? Um, between the ages of maybe 7 to 11 or 12. Right. And at what stage did you did you start drinking? Um, You know yourself, when you're on holidays with your parents in Spain, you're young, and you, you have a point or two, like, wouldn't you? You know, um, but I didn't start properly drinking until I was, like, maybe 14, 15. Right. So you were drinking what time? Twelve? Yeah, but not not a lot. Like you're not saying that I was an alcoholic at age, you know. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you get some kind of a buzz out of it, or what was it? Um, I suppose it, and I felt I was one of the lads as well, you know. Yeah. Like I, I got on well after school, um, socially wise, maybe after third or fourth class, I kind of fitted in, you know. Yeah. And then there was drugs as well. Yeah, there's a bit of drugs, right? Yeah. When did that start? Um, I remember I had an argument with my parents, you know, and um, I was about 13 and I grabbed a bottle of uh, Soda Comfort from the, sorry, I grabbed a bottle of Soda Comfort from the presser, you know, hmm. and I lived in a couple of the older lads and I ended up taking me to cocaine that night. Right. And you were what, 13 then? 13, yeah. Yeah. 
I felt that I, I was cool, you know, I thought that I was one of the boys, and like. Mm. Well, did you take much cocaine? Um, at that stage, no, but later on in life, yeah. Yeah. You got a diagnosis uh, of ADHD. What age were you then? I was 16. And when someone said to you that this is why you are how you are, did that change things for you? Um, it made me kind of at ease knowing that there was a reason for my behaviour, like, you know? Yeah. What do you know about ADHD? What do you understand it to mean? Um, I think what it means to me is, like, if you love something, you love something, you, you can do it. But if you hate something or you don't like it, you have no interest, you just can't, like, you know? Do you have trouble focusing? Yeah. Um, couldn't listen to all the man. Um, just climbing the walls and just doing stupid stuff, like. Yeah. Now, you saw a mixed martial arts fight on the telly. Yeah. And that started something for you. Tell us about that. Um, I remember I was about 15, 16, the same age, like, and um, I, used, I was at a disco, a, a teenage disco, you know, in the Savoy or City Hall or something like that. Mm. I came home and I was watching this channel called Brav over there on uh, Sky Dairy years ago, you know? Yeah. Do, do you remember that? I do. Yeah, and there was a um, UFC fight on. It was called uh, it was called UFC, like it was MMA. But um, the second I saw that man, I was hooked. I was hooked straight away. Like you'd never seen it before. I saw bits, but I, I didn't really watch it. You know. Yeah. And you decided then you wanted to be part of that too. So how did you join? Um, the following Monday, I went to the boxing gym. And you met a guy called Craig O'Flynn. Tell me about him. Um, when I first joined the gym, the, the Thai boxing gym. After the boxing gym, uh, Craig was down there, he owned it, like, but um, we kind of clicked, tra- clicked straight away, like, and uh, he just kind of mentored me when I was young. Yeah. How long were you involved with that? Um, From the age of 15 to about, f- about five years, I'd say. And then I brought my arm um, in 2010. Right. I had two fights after that, but uh, when I ill in 2013, I kind of gave it all up. I had, I had to go over paranoia and stuff, you know? I was getting paranoid and anxious at the gym and I didn't know what was going on, Nick. Oh, right. So you were getting, like, panic attacks and stuff? Yeah, well, it, well it first started off as, panic attack, as a panic attack, but I didn't know what it was, you know? Yeah. And were you still doing the, the drugs and the drink at this stage? I was, yeah. 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 Now, there was a friend of yours died. Yeah. And his name is Corey. Corey Kelly, and he's from Dublin Hill, same place as himself. We uh, grew up together, like we were all, we were friends for years, and um, I think it was about a week or two before his twenty first birthday he uh, passed away. Back in two thousand thirteen. And that had an awful effect on you, I think. It did me and and my friends, like you know, it was very hard to take. Like we, we were so close to him, you know. Yeah. And did you go a bit mad after that then? Um, I, I think we did. Yeah, I I, I got um, diagnosed with psychosis not long after. Like uh, experiencing very paranoid thoughts and like delusions and stuff. So I saw my dad one day on the way to work in the morning, and um, he said, "Go to the doctor." Like hmm. the, the doctor then put me in touch with a place called the Home Base Crisis Team. Okay, okay. Then up in the the orthopedic in, in Churchfield. Yes. I'll go on. You were in a lot of trouble, I think, at that stage. Were you just in yourself? Like you just weren't well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It was, yeah, we, we, were, we were drinking every weekend, taking pills every weekend, doing everything every weekend, you know? Yeah. 
Did you know you needed help? Like at the start, I kind of dismissed them, saying, "I'm grand, I don't, I don't need it." You know, but then one time, then I got discharged and um, kind of got bad, and I had to go see him again. And then I knew there was something wrong. Like you know, I was getting sad and paranoid and depressed. You know, and anxious. I, I didn't know where these thoughts, these feelings were coming from. Like, and um, I was offered medication, but I, I wouldn't take it for about a year. It's a why? Why didn't you want to take it? Um, just being arrogant, man. Just thinking yeah, there was nothing wrong with me, like. Yeah. You ended up in hospital, did you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I started taking the medication, I'd say, around 2013, 2014. Mm. Then I was admitted to hospital in 2015, my very first time in hospital for the mental, mental, mental issues. Right. How did that come about? Like, did you just get worse and worse? I was just, like, um, I was just... Paranoid and anxious, and I, I was like, I, I, I had hard, heavy suicidal thoughts, you know. Right. I, I didn't feel safe where I was. I thought I was gonna do something like, you know what I mean. Right. I rang the home base crisis in Monday. It was a Friday evening, and um, my mother drove me up to the orthopedic to see him, and they said, um, "Well, after you admitted today, like you, you couldn't go go on like that, you know." Yeah. At least you you had your mom and dad around you supporting you, which was great. Like, do you know? Yeah, they're very supportive of me, like. Dave, did you know in yourself that something had to be done about this, that you were you were not well, like? Oh, yeah, I couldn't go on the way I was going, like, you know? I had to change. How long were you in hospital for? Um, that's the... I was in there in June um, 2015. I was there for two weeks, and the following week, I Las Vegas booked to my friends for a Hannah Rigger fight, you know? yeah. So when I came out of hospital, I went straight to Vegas, and when I came back from Vegas, I had to go back in again. So you were really sick when you came back, were you? Yeah, oh, it was in a, in a terrible place, like. Yeah. And I, I, was, I put myself in that place, you know? Yeah, yeah. So did you, like, you came back, and how quickly after you got back did you have to, was it the crisis team put you in again, was it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And it's hard, isn't it, to open up, like, and to tell people how you're feeling inside? Basically, man, like... Like you, you, you'd be afraid to open up because people think you're, you're think you're crazy, you know. Yeah. Or think you're not a nice, not a nice person or something like. And like, how important was it when you opened up to realize that people were going to take you seriously and actually help? Oh, it was very important because at the time I, I couldn't trust nobody. Like I, I had no trust in anybody, only my parents. Yeah. Uh, at some stage, I, I lost trust with them. It was I just nothing of their fault. It was all all my doing, like yeah. But they stuck by you. Yeah, they did, yeah, and they still there by, by him, you know, like you know. Good, good. Now you're in Sliella at the moment. Yeah. What kind of a place is that? Um, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot different to hospital anyway. Hundred percent, a lot different. Yeah. It's a, It's basically like a rehab a rehabilitation center for people with mental health. Right. Um, it's probably the best decision I've made, PJ, man. Is it? How long yeah. are you there now? I'll be there six months and two weeks. Right. And how long more will you do? You can stay for 18 months. And after that, they help you get accommodation outside your home and stuff. So I'm going to stick for another 12 months. Good. And what kind of things do you do? Um, we work in a bakery on Monday, Wednesday and Friday uh, from 7 to 11. And then every other day, I don't work in the farm. Um picking kale, picking spinach, picking spuds, planting garlic, planting, planting, planting everything, everything to the farm, like, you know? Like, to be honest, PJ, man, um, back at home, I was spending like 20 hours a day in my room, you know? Yeah. 
I just sleep in there and just just staying in there all, all day every day. But down here, no. I'm up every morning at seven. I'm at work with the lads. Um, like I, I I don't need as much as a long time as what I did need before. You don't what? Sorry. I don't need don't need as much a long time as I did before. Socialising, you know, my, my social life is getting way better. Like and my skills. Yeah. Yeah. And how are you feeling in yourself now? I'm feeling good, but I'm I'm kind of anxious. Is it a small paranoid and anxious? You know. Yeah. But then when you when you have a bad day. Yeah. There's help there, isn't there? There's there's plenty of help there, but like if you sometimes you can't take it because you don't you don't trust them, you know. Like I can't even trust myself sometimes, like you know. Yeah. Yeah, that must be kind of scary. Oh, very. You feel alone, like. But you're you're happy. I think you're happy there. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, in that hospital. So I was I was struggling to sell the hospital. I was in hospital nine times, like. Nine times. Nine times, yeah, in St. Michael's. Um, and I, 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 I was going week to week struggling to see out, like. Yeah. And you were just in and out all the time. That must have been very hard for, for everyone, for your family and for you, like. Oh, it's rock bottom, like rock bottom nine times in your life. So why did you decide now to go and put it all up on Facebook? And why did you decide now is the time to talk to people like me? Well, like, um, well, a couple of years ago, my sister showed me Australia, you know. And um, I kind of, I kind of blew it out the wall. I, I didn't want to go down there. I thought it wasn't for me. But I was supposed to go to college in last September. Just gone. Um, I was supposed to study psychology. Yes. In college, you come. Right. But I, I got fairly ill, like, and I had to come down here. And I suppose I just posted that stuff online to show people that there's there is hope to get better. You know that you're not you're they're not alone. There's there's more people like us, like. Yeah. Yeah. And is that important, Dave? To realize. Very important, yeah, because, like. When I first got these feelings, I thought that I was the only one. But the more I spoke with people and read stuff, like I know that there's a lot more people like me. Like, is it like it's not that uncommon, you know? Yeah, and is that is that important to know that you're not the only one? Oh, it's very important to be relatable to someone, like you know, like, like if you feel that you're the same as somebody else, not the exact same, but they have similar problems, like you know, it's um, it's 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 good to hear, like. You, you you really seem to have found, finally, something that will work for you. Yeah, like, I'm hoping to go to a study in September again to do um, a personal training course this year. Right. And the following year, I'm going to go back to college to come to do psychology and social studies. Good for you. Good for but you. I have a bit of a goal in place, you know? Yeah. And is the is the drinking under control and the drugs, are they all under control? Um, I'm clean, I'm clean now six months. Good boy. Good man. Yeah, yeah. Like there's always temptation, like you know, it's it's always there, but temptation. But um, like I understand now that I have to stay away from that stuff because it's not good for you. Yeah. Like sometimes you 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 have a laugh, but you're only having like it's a short term solution to a long term problem, you know. Numbing it out that doesn't work forever, like. Yeah. Like, I I did not I, I didn't think that I survived six months uh, down here. I thought I'd gone after the two week trial, but um, I, I kind of kicked the lads down there, like, and it's just a brilliant place. It's the best decision I've ever made, like. Good man. So out in the morning, on the farm? Yeah, yeah, all that. Tomorrow now is Tuesday. We have to do chores in the morning and then we go to the, to the farm work. You'll probably be a great gardener when you get out of it all. Oh, hard culture, man. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Dave, I wish you well, lad. Cheers, PJ. Thanks, man. Your, your, your posts are very brave and, and I wanted to have a chat with you about them and... I, I wish you well, and I know there's lots of people who know you because there was a b- very big reaction to the Facebook posts. 
Oh yeah, I was blown away by the feedback. I was blown away. Yeah. So I'm I'm glad that we've had a, a chat today, and I, I wish you the best of luck. And sure, maybe we'll talk again. Yeah, no worries. Thanks so much, man. Nice lad, nice lad, Dave Thor Ford. We, we were speaking uh, last evening. Um, very brave posts, and he's in Schliella. I think we've talked about Schliella on the program before. I know that in my days in the newsroom, I did visit it on more than one occasion. There was an extension to the place, and there was new facilities down there. They're up in Churchtown, near Mallow, and Schliella means in another way, in Irish. And they have a farm, and they have a shop, and they do... They're just a different way of dealing with mental health. And he's on a programme there, six months into it. He's got another 12 months to go. And do you know what? It looks like this one might work. But, you know, it, the, the message I get from that, I would have had no idea. Looking at a young lad like Dave, and there are videos of him. And he says he'd do another few Facebook posts on his time in the fight game. You'd never have thought back in his prowess in the ring that he was battling with all the other things with which he was battling. 1850-715-996. We will know this evening that Taoiseach is due to take to his feet round tea time. Where we're going, and I think after the 5th of April, to be honest, we're going nowhere for a while. The kids will go back to school on the 12th. That's their determination. And then towards the end of the month, we will get to do a bit more travel-wise in terms of going outside five kilometres, possibly out into our county, stay within our county bounds, which would be a first step. Just on the numbers, though, and I haven't been doing the numbers in great detail over the last few weeks because really here in Cork, we continue to do very well. And the national figures would depress you, the the fact that they've stabilised and settled and that in actual fact they're up a couple of percent on a week or two ago. They've stabilised at way too high. 500, 600 new cases a day. But when you drill down into those figures, like Offaly's a mess. Offaly's 14-day incidence rate per 100,000 population is 455. That is, you're waiting for this, more than 10 times our rate. Our 14-day rate per 100,000 people is now 41 and Offaly is 455. Dublin, 248. Kildare, 217. Meath, 215. Leash, 180. Longford, 212. All that general area, Leinster and the Pale, all very, very high. Very, very high numbers. Whereas we have uh, 47 per 100,000 and we have... 40 per 100, that's right, 40 per 100,000. Kerry has 31.32 per 100,000. Yesterday, Kerry had a zero day. I think Kerry's, that was Kerry's second zero day out of three. Well done, Kerry. Uh, They had less than five cases, which counts as a zero day. Yesterday, we had 15 cases. Our five-day average in Cork is 18, which I keep saying in a population of half a million people is very, very good. So we here in Cork and Kerry... And in fairness, Clare and Kilkenny and Monaghan, but staying in, in, in Munster, like Cork, Kerry, Clare, Limerick, a little bit higher, but they're coming down. Limerick were in a bad way a few weeks ago, not so bad. Waterford coming down, although still well higher than us. But down here in Cork and Kerry, 
we could set up our own little independent dual republic on our own, where infection rates are very, very low at the moment. Will we get anything as a reward for that? Forget it. I tell you why in a while. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Oldies and Irish on Corks ninety six FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Welcome along to the program. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Hidden Hearing, tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing it for over 30 years. Hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. Neffet met for hours yesterday and then had a long, long discussion with the government subcommittee, the cabinet subcommittee. It ran into the evening, and the message was described in some columns last evening, some political columns, as grim, as in, the best we get is steady as she goes, because the numbers don't allow for much else. Adam Higgins is political correspondent of the Irish Sun. We, we know more this morning, Adam. We're not getting a whole lot this evening, are we? Good morning. We do indeed, yeah. I think the buzzwords you're going to hear today are careful and cautious. So the government are, are keen not to throw away any progress that's been made by the last on the, the last few months of, of lockdown. And also, Neffet last night was, was speaking to the ministers and saying that if the restrictions are eased too quickly now, we could face a fourth wave that could run into the middle of the summer. Whereas they said that if we wait another four to six weeks while we get really ramp up the vaccinations that the risk of, of a, a new spike is cut by between 40 and 60 percent. So I think this careful and cautious step-by-step approach is what you're going to continue to see throughout April. I think it's fair to say politically, Adam, that we have learned, or rather the government has learned to its cost over the last couple of months. You ignore Neffet at your peril. That's true, that's true. And that's not to say now that... Uh, all of Neffet's advice will be followed to the letter of the law today, but uh, because I do know that there, there is still some easing of measures that are going to be on the table for today. So, firstly, this April fifth date that that has been kind of earmarked for the past month, Easter so Monday. That, yeah. that that's looking to change now till April twelfth in order to get past the Easter holidays. So, what you're going to see there is on April twelfth. From then on, you you might see the the lifting of the the five kilometre travel restrictions to a county wide sort of a restriction. That's on the table for the talks today, along with a phased reopen reopening of the construction industry, which will start with the building of homes and apartments and that sort of thing, and then phase back into the rest of the construction. And then there is some small um, aspects of sport, then children's sport, non-contact training in pods that, like that we had last year. That's likely to return at some fa- stage over April. And then tennis and golf are still up for talks at the Cabinet meeting today. Like this time last year, they were about to sign off, weren't they, on a document that ran into... July and into August in terms of dates. We don't have anything like that coming out today. That's right, yeah. The, 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 the big reopening plan is something that I don't think we're going to see yet. We're looking at a, a step-by-step approach. So what's happening, what's going to happen next from today onwards or from April 12th onwards, we'll see a kind of a four-week to six-week plan with things changing, very small like restrictions I just mentioned, on a week-by-week, fortnightly basis. But we're not likely to see this big 
plan that tells us what's going to happen into the summer. Now, what you may see in the Taoiseach's speech, he's going to address the, the nation, one of those sort of... Uh, Live TV addresses to the nation today, probably at on the, probably at the six o'clock news, I would imagine. Mm. And he's probably going to maybe indicate, like he did last time, that if things go well in April, this is what we will discuss in May. Like that, we saw that, that's what we saw in March, and I'd say a similar approach will be taken today. Do we take from the length of the meetings yesterday, and they went on, Adam, for many hours, that there was a lot to be discussed, and a lot of, I think, an effort was urging caution. Mm. No, you're right. And I see what happened yesterday was uh, the Neffet met yesterday for a long meeting to discuss everything. And then the CMO, um, Dr. Ronan Glynn, the head of the HSE, Paul Reid, and then the head of the government's vaccine task force, Breen McCraw, all gave lengthy presentations to this cabinet subcommittee, which then met and discussed which restrictions they should and shouldn't consider talking about today at the full cabinet meeting. So, I mean... It's going to be this careful, cautious approach because of what you described there correctly as a grim warning from from Neffet of what could happen if this fourth wave takes hold and it could stretch out into the middle of the summer. Now, the vaccine rollout, obviously the, the, the source of many headlines, and even though they keep saying that on European terms we're doing well, we, we look to the UK and we think, well, sorry, we're not doing well at all. But there's a huge political pressure here, isn't there, Adam, on Michal Martin and his government to try to keep people in the room as in, hold on, hold on, hold on, and we'll get your vaccines and then you'll get your lives back. They really do have to get this vaccine rollout right over the next month. You're bang on the money there. And I think something that you will see mentioned time and time again when the Taoiseach uh, takes questions later on today is that there will be a lot talked about how this April will be a key month for the vaccination campaign. You'll hear stuff like one million vaccines will be uh, delivered and administered in, in April, May and June and how Ireland will be a different country in a different space when it comes to the likes of May and June because of that vaccine rollout. But the thing is, you still have to get it right. I mean, we've heard these promises for for the last three months mm. about how it would ramp up and how this drug was going to be a game changer and then things go wrong. So, I mean, they'll be reluctant to mention specific drugs and specific deliveries, but we are going to see Johnson & Johnson come on stream uh, in the middle of April. That will be a fourth vaccine. When to, is the uh, first batch uh, of that due, Adam, do we know? It, it's the second half of April, I think, in and around the 19th or 20th. Uh, Europe is supposed to get, I think, 200 million, if I have that right, of Johnson & Johnson delivered, and, and that will be you know, spread out across the countries then. So that's likely to come in end of April, and then bigger orders will be coming in then, I think, May, June. But that significantly, that's a one-shot job. Yeah. So you go in, you get that one shot. And you're done. And, and you're done. It's not this two weeks or two jabs come back in three weeks sort of phase process that we have now. Yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully we'll we'll see more about what the Taoiseach wants us to do this evening around the time of the six o'clock. Adam Higgins of the Irish Sun, political correspondent. Thank you very much. We're not getting much this evening, lads. Anything we get will start on the twelfth of April. We won't be starting anything on Easter Monday because apart from anything else, everyone will be off for Easter holidays and they don't want us all going mad. I'd like to know, though, what you want to hear. What is the most important thing for you that you want to hear from the Taoiseach today? Is it getting outside of 5K? Is it being able to meet mates in the outdoors? 
go for a walk, do something together? Is it the kids being able to go back to soccer and ga and whatever else they do on a Saturday morning? Is that what's most important to you? Or do you just want to be able to go to the beach or go out for a drive in the countryside in the afternoon and not face a checkpoint? Is, is that what you want? I said that I would speculate as to why they won't look at Cork and Kerry and other places like it because the vast majority of the trouble, as it were, and when they report daily numbers like yesterday, yesterday there were 539 confirmed cases. Right, 539 yesterday. Looking at the list, right, Dublin had 262 of them. And then you had Westmead with 30, Kildare 32. But the concentration of them all, the concentration of the cases is around Dublin, Kildare, Meath, Leash, Offaly, Louth, around the Pale. The concentration of the cases is around the Pale, which means you can't possibly open up the Pale. And I'm going to throw something out here now and laugh at me if you want. I'm sure you probably will. But the regional easing of restrictions, like Kerry and Cork, like giving us a little bit more, I'm not saying open the pubs and open the... I'm not saying that, but giving us a little bit more in Cork and Kerry. Not going to happen. And the reason it's not going to happen is because of where all the other cases are based. They're all based around the Pale. Dublin, Kildare, all those counties. And where are all the lobby groups based? And where are all the influential business groups based around the pale and where are there a huge number of doyle seats that will eventually have to be defended around the pale so if you go and you release restrictions in Cork and Kerry or Kilkenny and other places like that where we've more than earned it you'll have a lot of very very angry lobbyists around the pale that believe me my friends is part of my political analysis for what it's worth. 1850-715-996. You guys ready? The Big Drive Home, weekdays from four. On Cork's 96FM. Hey, it's Lorraine. Weekdays on The Big Drive Home is where it's at for the best music mix. Your commute will be a breeze with the most up-to-date traffic reports. We got the biggest showbiz interviews and you've got control of the playlist on The Takeover. All the BTS fans in Cork would love if you could play Dynamite by BTS. Chat to your weekdays from four. The Big Drive Home. Let's talk business with Ford Lease. Hassle-free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more. The Big Drive Home. On Cork's 96FM. Cork's 96FM. Yeah, a lot of people looking at the travel thing. That's very, very important to them to be able to go a bit more distance. Kevin is saying that his daughter is in the opposite county, the next county, and he wants her to come home. And God almighty, Kev, I can see that. Just something I forgot when I was doing the numbers. In the table that you get every day from Neffet now, it's, actually, this is really interesting. The cork is second from bottom in terms of infection rates. Kerry has the lowest infection rate now in the country. And well done, Kerry. Cork is second lowest. Then Monaghan, Kenny, Clare, Sligo, Leitrim, Mayo, Carlow, 
and Limerick. So the bottom three, six, nine. The bottom ten, Limerick, Carlo, Mayo, Leitrim, Sligo, Clare, Kilkenny, Monaghan, Cork and Kerry. All right? It gets better than that, though. Of that bottom ten, one, two, one, two, Kerry, Monaghan, Kilkenny, Clare, Sligo, Leitrim and Carlo. Seven out of the bottom ten counties yesterday had a zero day. A zero day is less than five. Seven out of the bottom ten counties in the country in terms of infection rates had a zero day yesterday. So geographically, this is all... When they tell you this number in the evening, it's all in one or two sections of the country. The rest of us should take great heart from that. We're doing very well. We really are doing very well and we should pat ourselves on the back every so often. We've talked about this many times, just not just last year, but earlier uh, in this lockdown and I suppose good weather forecast now, very good weather forecast. We'll catch up with, um, we'll, we'll catch up with Carla Weather in a little while to see how good it might be for us, but good weather forecast over the Easter weekend and into the holidays next week. More concern that there will be gangs in Crosshaven and that there will be antisocial behaviour and drinking and all that kind of thing. Because remember, the, two, the 220 bus route, which is a godsend, it's a wonderful, wonderful facility to have. But it does, it, it's brought groups down to Crosshaven that the local people would rather weren't there, I think. Councillor Audrey Buckley, if you follow Councillor Audrey, Audrey, good morning to you. Good morning, thank you for having me on. Delighted to do so. And places like Fountainstown, Church Bay, Grabal Bay, Fennels Bay, do you know... You've had problems looking into the weekend. You're afraid you'll have more. Um, yeah, look, it, it kicked off about um, five or six weeks ago when we had that nice weather. Um, we were all doing so well here. And like that, I, I'm just sick with the whole COVID thing. I want it over with. But we do need to be conscious of that. First off, um, I guess I'm very frustrated um, with the bus and the amount of kids that are coming down together on the bus. Um, we've had an amazing litter pick here. We've had the schools involved with the green schools um, as um, a tidy towns group. So we've done mighty picking in that. And then about five weeks ago when it kicked off, when we had um, gangs of teenagers down here on the bus. Now look, our own local kids as well, but it's just something that needs to be addressed because it's going to be a very busy summer, as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, we just want measures put in place. Um, you know, we live here. This is our home. Um, we want to feel safe as well here. We want to be able to go to the beach, um, a clean beach. Um, look, the drinking I don't have an issue with because that's their parents and the guards' issues. I have a huge problem with the litter. Um, the, you know, swimming in um, the men's pool in Church Bay last year, and while I was swimming, I was picking cans and bottles out of the water. That was part of my swim, as probably other residents. So we just don't want it this year. We all want to enjoy the area. Let people come down and let everybody enjoy it. But a few are ruining it for the many. Yeah. I know that at the moment, the guy that you're monitoring the buses um, to ensure people aren't travelling outside their 5K, which, which is a help. But the bus is only one way down there. And the litter, I, I've been banging on about litter on beaches, Audrey, for many, many years. Um, and and we just have this thing, and I'm talking not just about young people, families. Yeah. We we have this thing, we just don't, we just don't take our stuff home. 
I don't understand it because it works in Europe, I guess. Maybe they're raised that way. I mean, we're definitely getting better. Um, um, and I, we're all watching our own patch. It's just that, you know, when people come in here, um, you know, they don't live here. So I don't think they've any kind of, uh, you know, for, feel for the area, um, responsibility for the area. Um, we just want to really see more community guard presence um, walking around the area. I'd say like many areas do, we want to see the guardian on bikes. We want to see them pop on the 220 bus. Um, you know, we're very fortunate recently, or now because of the, the COVID restrictions, so the guards actually have been getting on the bus in Douglas and turning um, gangs back into town because of the COVID-5 restrictions, you know, and taking drink off them as well. But when that, when they're lifted, that's what we're just very conscious of, is that we just want to tell people, bring it in, bring it out. Just yeah. respect their area. That's all we're looking for. Yeah, and that's a problem, COVID or no COVID. I can remember being down in uh, Myrtleville. Remember, we had a beautiful summer in, in 2013. And the only reason I mentioned 2013 is I'm going through some old archive stuff from, from there the last few days. We had a beautiful summer in 2013. And I remember this being a massive problem with, with the beach in Myrtleville left in an awful state in, yeah. in the midst of it. We just got to yeah. take the stuff home. We do, um, and I am asking Cork County Council, I would love to see public toilets, I think, rolled out nationally on our beaches. We should be, there should be public toilets. Like, you go to anywhere in Europe and you have access you to do. a public toilet. That's you another do. big issue, you know? Um, so I just think that we need these measures in place um, and just bring it in, bring it out. Um, we just need to get into that mindset and to have more guarded presence in the area. Now, we're very fortunate because John D.C., the new superintendent, yeah. Councillor McGraw and myself, met him last week to speak to him about this because it's a concern. Like, I'm getting a lot of calls and then when I'm out walking myself, people are stopping me and asking and they're quite concerned. You know, there was over 20 youths up in Temple Breed, you know, where we had the goats and that having yeah. a party there three or four weeks ago. No respect for the graveyard and that, you know. Um, so we're just asking just for a bit of respect for the area. Okay. All right. Audrey, thank you very much for that. 1850 That's Councillor Audrey Buckley. Long since been a bugbear of mine. Long since been a bugbear of mine. If you go out to the beach... Would it hurt you? Now, just think about this. Would it hurt you to bring a black bag with you, right? And before you leave, put the bottles and the cans and the wrappers and the fruit and the oxes and the apples, put them in the bloody bag and bring them home. Would it hurt you to do that? 1850 Speaking of beaches, actually, I'll do this now, Terry, and we'll do the song then. Let us go to Alan O'Reilly of Carlow Weather. My favourite app, and I know you like it, uh, the Dark Sky, Alan, is, is showing me some lovely things over the next four or five days. Are we in for a nice, sunny Easter weekend? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, well, certainly going to be nice today. Now, you might need to get away from the coast, but it's going to be nice um, today. And it's probably going to be the warmest day of the year so far for many places today. So it'll get up to 17 degrees in some areas, probably a little bit cooler near the, near the coast. Um, some cloud then and some drizzle probably tomorrow, Wednesday. Thursday and Good Friday look good. Good Friday looks like a great Friday with yeah. some nice sunshine right across the country. Saturday should hold, but it'll be breezier. Um, Friday will also be breezy. Um, Saturday should hold dry with some sunshine as well, but turning cooler. Sunday 
it's it's looking a bit tricky. You you might escape it down south, um, but there will be some showers possibly coming in on Sunday. Mm. And then really we're turning into some very cold weather for Monday, for Easter Monday, mm. with frost. So the gardeners will want to take note of that. There's a risk of frost. Now, down south near the coast, you might escape the worst of the frost, but mm. it's going to turn cold. What's influencing our weather at the moment, Alan, in terms of the, the, the masses of air and water over our heads? What's the big influence? Yeah, so we have high pressure that's going to build um, and it's going to kind of move up towards Greenland, which can happen this time of the year, but it's, it's rare enough. So we, we have, we've, suppose we've had some low pressure, um, which brought us some of that rain over the weekend and obviously that wind that, that, that was so strong for a while. That's moving away now and we have some high pressure coming in. But that high pressure is then going to move out to the west into the Atlantic and kind of head up towards Greenland. And what that allows then is is much colder air, a plunge of cold air coming down from the the Arctic, actually. Now, we do see this at times, you know, in March and and, uh, sometimes in April, but not that often for the start of April. But that, that's going to feed down um, some very cold temperatures. And some of the weather models are showing the possibility of some wintry showers even. Yeah. So um, so I suppose, it look, it might hold mainly dry, apart from a bit of drizzle Wednesday, right up until Sunday, maybe even until Monday. Mm. Um, I think but, most people at this stage, Alan, are happy to put up with, are, are happy with dry and bright. We're not let's start looking for shorts and flip-flops just yet. Yeah, I think so. I think if you can get out into it, PJ, you know, it's it, it, it's good enough. And and it, it certainly the next couple of days, apart from probably a little bit tomorrow, the next couple of days are going to be lovely. Like Friday and Saturday are going to be lovely days. Okay, it might be breezy, but it's it's not going to be wet. It's it's not going to be too cold. Um, and even Sunday might might hold on. Okay, so I know we're trying to do the right things and we're trying to be outside and that. So obviously it is easier to get out when the weather is better and obviously with the clocks gone forward we have the stretch in the day as well so we are moving in the right direction but just I would say maybe the people putting away the the winter duvet and thinking we're going to be set for for a heat wave or anything leave the flip flops in the drawer for another few weeks at least that's it Exactly, exactly. All right, thanks, Alan. Good man. Alan O'Reilly of Carlow Weather. Although you'll see fellas going around in flip-flops. I saw fellas going around in flip-flops in in January. You know? (laughs) No, looking at it here now, I know I I I rabbit on about it, but anybody ever given the the tip to of the Dark Sky Weather app, it's giving me today, yeah, it will improve. It's not great out there now. Tomorrow, like Alan said, Thursday brightening up with very little by way of rain. Friday, Saturday and Sunday look like being glorious days. Glorious spring days with afternoon temperatures 15, 16 degrees. And Monday and Tuesday, bright and getting colder. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. 1850-715-996 is the number to call, as always. The text to WhatsApp, 083-396-9696. Voice notes, of course, particularly welcome on WhatsApp at that number. If you don't feel like writing a big, long text message, or if you haven't got time to take a phone call or make a phone call, just pop us a little voice note uh, with uh, with exactly what's on your mind. Like, for example, listening to Dave Thor Ford. A lot of people commenting on Dave's bravery. Finn says, if he sparred with Craig O'Flynn and survived, he'll survive this. That man is stronger than he believes. Fair play for facing his demons. I'll be the grand chat myself and Dave last night. He's a great lad. 
listening to that young lad is heartbreaking. I just want to say well done to him. He's very brave setting out about his new life and getting on his path. And Anne says, well done to the bravery of that boy speaking there. All boys want is a, a job and a few pounds in their pocket. I feel sorry for boys sometimes. Too much pressure to succeed. But if they only realise things get better and only they can change it. Sometimes help is needed. If I ever won the lotto, I'd open a drop-in centre to help youngsters along. We are looking to know if we can get your thoughts on what you would like this evening. What you would like this evening from the Taoiseach. <laughs> People have said I'd like him to resign. Well, do you know what? That isn't going to happen. That's, you know, i tell you what. There's two things won't happen this evening. The Taoiseach won't resign and the pubs won't open tomorrow. So neither of those things are going to happen. I just want to walk a good long walk and have a cup of coffee. I presume indoors, because you can get plenty of coffee. I'd love to be able to move around in the car for a spin. We're cocooning, so just want to go somewhere outside the 5K. And Andrew in Blackpool, Andrew, you're a bold man. You're a naughty, naughty, naughty man. The reason Kerry has the lowest COVID numbers <laughs> is because Kerry people are so tight they wouldn't even pass COVID onto each other. Oh, shit. You'll get me in a lot of trouble with my friends in Kerry, of whom I have many, but thank you, you divil you. Lots more coming in. We had a big reaction, and remind me to come back to this, we had a very big reaction, uh, particularly on social media, and a lot of private messages sent to me last night uh, today, and I'm very grateful for them, to the interview with Rebecca Saunders yesterday on the programme. Huge response to that. We did podcast, podcast extra that interview, if you want to find it, on our app. And of course, if you missed anything in the first hour this morning, you will find the podcast up there of the Opinion Line in mid-afternoon. Now, before I bring Fiona Corcoran in, right, we all carry, all of us here, we all carry a little badge, a little pass that allows us to go across the 5K border as part of our work with 96FM Stroke, the wireless radio group, so, before anyone starts getting on that side of the argument, forget it. We all have a little pass, and it's all been approved. So, before I go to Fiona, she's on her way to West Cork to do some work for the radio station, and it's essential travel. And the checkpoints, they just wave her through when she shows her little badge and her letter. But Fiona, you've been on your way down to West Cork for some reporting for later in the week, and checkpoints galore. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yes, I'm here in, in beautiful Ross Carberry and uh, unfortunately, I know it's gorgeous looking out at the sea. I haven't seen it in so long. Um, but unfortunately, the weather is not in our favour here this morning. But um, as you said, I had to travel down here this morning to do a feature that will be running on the Opinion Line later in the week. And um, between Bishopstown and Ross Carberry, I hit three checkpoints, three Garda checkpoints. Now, Garda did say yesterday that they would be increasing their presence on the roads and that they would be operating these COVID checkpoints. Now, I'm not 100% sure because I haven't been down to West Cork in ages um, if these are constant um, checkpoints that are the regular checkpoints. I know that the one, there was one between um, Dunn Stores and the Viaduct on that Viaduct Road. Um, and I know that that is um, a, a static checkpoint that's there all the time. But there was also one in, in Shannon and there was one just coming outside of Clonakilty as well. Mm. Um so, uh, yeah, they're, they're definitely out in force this morning. They were guardy manning those checkpoints, stopping cars, asking them where they were going. And um, so I suppose for people who are thinking that, you know, I might travel down west 
and you know as we heard from your last caller there that the weather forecast is supposed to be good and um, Gardaí are uh, following through on what they said yesterday and they do have uh, a large gather presence out on the roads because where, where that, you are there in Ross Carberry there'll be a lot of holiday homes and particularly down on only Hinchia in the caravan parks I'm not too sure if they're open yet but I think people might be tempted to chance it with the good weather forecast and the message is don't you won't get there yeah, like even even if you didn't have a mobile home or access to a cottage, I suppose a lot of people would love to come down here or to any of those areas that you mentioned in East Cork as well and go for a day trip, especially if you have children, um, to get out to the beach. But there are guards at checkpoints and they are in particular at areas where there are beaches or public amenities. I, I even have noticed in the last couple of weeks, I live um, very close to Murphy's Farm in Bishopstown and... You know, there are Gardaí coming down there as well because a lot of people come down to use the playground and, and the walkway there. So, you know, they are, um, you know, I think that the Gardaí have been criticised in the past for, for not being out and, and, and especially for, you know, speed checks or whatever. But this time for the COVID checkpoints, they are following through on what they've said and they are out monitoring these areas. And, you know, in West Cork last Easter, I spoke to a woman from Skull, I think, and she said that there was a lot of people who had used the opportunity of the, the two-week school break to come down from Dublin and yeah. people had travelled over from the UK and a lot of local people were very annoyed at that because um, not too dissimilar to the situation that we have now, the, the figures in West Cork at the time were very low and the figures in Dublin were very high and people in the area didn't want people from Dublin coming down and staying here for the week or for the weekend. Um, so I suppose, uh, you know, it, it's a similar situation again for this Easter and people will welcome, no doubt, that there are Gardaí checking and, and monitoring the situation. Okay, all right. Uh, but no, uh, a lot of checkpoints and you won't necessarily get down there. Uh, you'll, be, you'll be turned back. Fiona, thank you very much. We look forward to hearing your report from there later in the week. It's to do with travel and to do with holidays and to do with the tourism business, such as we shall have it. Hopefully, shall have it in the summertime. 1850-715-996, speaking of travel and talking to Audrey Buckley about beaches and litter. Tom says, hi PJ, the only thing should left be left on a beach is your footprints. Correct? Absolutely correct. Maeve says, the population of Crosshaven has changed so much in the last 15 years. A lot of teenagers are there now, bonfires on the beaches and that's been happening anyway since Jesus was a child. It's true, but take your litter away. And straight away, how many litter bins are at that beach? It doesn't matter. This comes up all the time. How many litter bins? It would be nice if there were loads of litter bins. It would be great if we had a litter bin every 10 yards. It would be grand. But you shouldn't need any. Take your own crap home. You listening to me? Thanks. Courts 96 FM. Now, as we try to get our economy reopened, and we will, we will, and as soon as we get more vaccines into more arms, we will be able to open up. And I'm very confident. I just am. I am. Maybe I'm a fool, but I am very confident that we'll be back in restaurants and back in the pub before the end of the summer. But around Washington. DC, they have looked at using proper ventilation and traffic light systems, whatever they are, and a monitoring of CO2 to help in opening up that trade. They're using 
a specific way of monitoring CO2 to help to open restaurants and cafes in Washington. Uh, Orla Hegarty is an architect specialising in ventilation from the UCD School of Architecture. Orla, good morning to you. We've talked before. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Ventilation is key, of course, as we come to terms with this pandemic and hopefully see it through to its bitter end. But the better ventilated the premises, the safer it will be to go into it once we've all been vaccinated. Well, there's a lot we can be doing in the meantime. You know, the vaccination programme, to some extent, is a bit outside our control, but this is completely within our control. Um, People understand now that being outdoors is is lower risk, Uh, and that's about the fact that when you're in a building, the air is trapped in a building, and you're much more likely to be breathing in air that somebody else has breathed out. Uh, and uh, that's how you catch the virus. Uh, most of the virus is being caught by breathe, people breathing infected air. So if you can breathe fresh air, you obviously lower your risk uh, considerably. So in the winter, you can see then why we've had a bigger problem because keep, people keep windows shut and they spend time um, inside with people. Uh, it, it improves in the spring because people start opening windows and naturally ventilating their buildings. So measuring carbon dioxide uh, sounds like a very technical process, but it's actually very simple. Mm. Um, There's small devices, smaller than your mobile phone, they're portable, and they measure the amount of CO2 in the air. So they're not measuring the virus, they're measuring how much um, of the air has been breathed out by somebody else. And if you're breathing in air that somebody has breathed out and they're infected, uh, obviously, you have a chance of, of catching the virus. If you're breathing fresh air, um, you reduce your chances uh, very considerably. And it's probably so, a very simplistic way of looking at it, but is, are you saying that the more CO2 in the air, the less fresh the air is? Yes, well, the more CO2 you're breathing in, the more likely it is that that, it, that is stale air that somebody else has breathed out. So it may have virus in it. Um, if you're breathing air that's the quality of air that's outside, um, uh, you're very unlikely to be breathing in uh, uh, virus. So we know now that you're very unlikely to catch uh, COVID outside unless you're close to somebody or having an up-close conversation. Uh, whereas indoors, you can obviously uh, catch it up close with somebody, but you can catch it in the same room or in the same building uh, because the air is trapped and, and mm. uh, the virus can fill up the space. So we can see you know, how you can get high-risk conditions then in winter where a whole family could be infected in a kitchen or um, everybody in a nursing home or, uh, as happens in the meat plants with recirculation of the air, that everybody can be breathing air that has virus in it. And you could, in Washington, they've seen where the hospitality industries, when they start opening up, they put these monitors into the premises. They monitor the amount of CO2. And if you get a red light, you just, what, open all the windows and doors for a while or cut the numbers or what, what do you do? Well, the first thing it does is it, it explains to people um, how, what this means and how it works. So um, although it's starting to catch in places in America now, and the science behind this is really solid, and um, this is wide, in widespread use in Japan. Uh, and Japan haven't had uh, lockdowns and they've had very low cases because they've worked on the basis of ventilating well and keeping people away from crowds from the very beginning. So how it would work, whether it's in a classroom or an office or a shop, um, is that you uh, you have a measurement being taken regularly, maybe every five or ten minutes during the day. If the um, uh, quantity of or the percentage of, of carbon dioxide is below a certain limit, well, then you know you're breathing fresh air. If it starts to go higher, then you get into amber where you need to vet, do something. So either 
take the children outside and air the room or open a window or reduce your occupancy of the people or, or take a mm. break. Um, and if it gets dangerous, you need to leave the building and uh, either get the uh, ventilation system fixed or lower the number of people who are using the building or make some other changes. But, it, but it, instead of guessing, Mm. Um, what might be safe, you have a way of measuring what's safe. So, so literally, if you had a little cafe or something and you have one of these on the wall or in the corner or wherever you put them, that every so, every so often someone, someone's job, effectively, is monitor them and see what they're showing. Yeah, it's very straightforward and it doesn't take training to use this. I mean, these little devices are about €200. Euro. Um, I did some spot checks myself around um, supermarkets and pharmacies in in early January, um, and uh, it looked like in most cases they were within the right range, or or they could have been brought very close to it, maybe by turning off the hot air curtain over a shop door, or by having a window open at the back of the shop, um, or by a supermarket making some adjustments to their system so that they change the percentage of fresh air and recirculated air, or they improve their, you know, make some improvements. So um, I would say in the vast majority of buildings, they're probably close to being uh, pretty good at the moment. Uh, and we're in a temperate climate where we're really lucky because most buildings in Ireland are naturally ventilated with windows rather than being in a hot climate where there's a lot of air conditioning. Yeah. So to, to address this, and particularly now in the spring, um, we're, we're very well placed to explain to people what this means and to really substantially reduce the risk without having to uh, wait for the vaccination programme. We can make big changes now. You, you have a piece in today's Irish Times also about... You know, how we keep the schools open. The plan is that everybody will be back at school as normal after the 12th of April. The concern, of course, is keeping them there. How do we do that? Well, there's a, there's a few measures that have been taken. I think, firstly, we need to explain to people very clearly um, what we know now about the virus. People have been very diligent about cleaning surfaces and cleaning hands, but mostly the virus is inhaled, and that means a different mindset about how you protect people. Um, in my view, we should have masks for all children and all teachers. Um, you cannot ventilate the risk that's up close. The only way you can protect people from up close is by wearing masks. Um, secondly, obviously, we need to be ventilating classrooms and measuring the ventilation. But more importantly, we need to explain to people that sometimes the risk for children is the bus or the car they're sharing mm. to school. So ventilation in transport is incredibly important. Um, and when people take masks off is important. So moving things like um, uh, eating lunch and, and drinking and uh, outside and then high risk activities where people are ex- ex- you know, breathing more deeply. Um, like singing and uh, exercise and even playing uh, woodwind instruments shouldn't be taking place indoors at the moment. So if masks come off for any activities, they should be outside. Um, we we need to obviously measure the air quality, but I think we need to be much more open about the you know the numbers and the data, so that we can actually see where the problems are. Um, at the moment, uh, parents are very concerned because in some ways it feels like a mystery and that makes it more frightening. Um, If we can start to target the schools where we have more high-risk conditions, we can learn a lot and then we can target those conditions somewhere else. So I I would imagine that in the main, most school environments for children are very low risk. Mm. Some cases are very high risk. So we need to be able to measure the high-risk conditions and target them first. Um, and then learn from that so that schools who may have similar conditions can also take action and not wait for an outbreak. And I think that would take the fear out of this mm. for a lot of people sending their children back to school. You could probably use your little monitors 
in, in schools as well, couldn't you? Absolutely. I mean, there there are only 4,000 schools, which might sound like a lot, but even to provide one monitor to every school, that's less than a million euros. So um, uh, the advantage of it would be it would teach people how to spot areas of high risk um, because it might be a corridor or it might be a locker room or it might be the teacher's break room that's a particular risk in the school rather than the classroom. Um, and it would also educate children about this so that they bring that knowledge home about good ventilation. And that's a protection for the rest of their families. So I think there are small interventions that could be made even in the couple of weeks we have before they go back. That's a very important point that you make with regard to children and teaching them the importance of, of ventilation from as little as four or five or six because they will bring it home and they will tell us what to do. Exactly. I think, I mean, people realise that with the recycling and the Green Flag programme, how, how uh, successful that was. Um, you know, the children started making changes in families and they were the drivers of it because uh, they understood the importance. OK. All right. Thank you very much, Orla. Orla Hegarty from the UCD School of Architecture, expert in ventilation of buildings. I love that idea, though, that there would be a little carbon dioxide monitor in a cafe or a pub or a restaurant and that, you know that someone would be detailed to watch it. So if the little thing goes red, you just go open the windows for a while or or you but clear the place for half an hour. But I like that idea. They're doing it in Washington. Um, ventilation is the thing. 1850-715-996. Claire says, Hi, PJ, those checkpoints in Inishannon and Clonakilty have been there for months. Claire, thanks for that. We We, we didn't... No, there were new checkpoints. Um, more to the point, if you're even thinking of travelling beyond the 5K, think again is kind of what we're saying because, yeah, I'm glad to know they've been there. Very glad to know. There's been one out in the Commons Road almost permanently since the turn of the year because I have to go out when I go out to my see my chiropractor, I have to go out beyond Mallow. So I've met that, I've met that checkpoint once or twice. Um, but yeah, uh, they're there all right. Thanks for that. Just on the interview yesterday with Rebecca Saunders, uh, thank you for taking the time, says Maria, thank you for taking the time to let my best friend speak her truth. There's a lot of pain that can drag you back in time, but Rebecca is the most extraordinarily warm and marvellous person, as I'm sure you understood in the time you had with her. I appreciate you and Liz Dunphy giving her a voice after so long. If these things are not shown the light... They will continue. Thank you again. And that's from Maria. And I have to say, personally, I was quite touched by the people who I would generally kind of know would contact me frequently enough, but made a point of contacting me yesterday to say how much they had uh, been taken by the interview with Rebecca Saunders on the story of little Clarissa. 1850-715-996. There's a new survey out as to who do we trust. <laughs> You'd be amazed who we trust. You'd be amazed to know that Neffet rank very highly. Very highly. And you'd be even more amazed to know that they rank very highly in a group you wouldn't have thought they'd rank highly with. Tell you about that next. Access all areas on Corks 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael with an update on Corks Entertainment. The William Thompson Forum, initiated and developed by Sirius Arts Centre, is an online series of talks and discussions on urgent questions of relevance in Ireland. 
There's speakers that include scholars, activists, community organisers, and you can find out more about this series at SiriusArtsCentre.ie. Access all areas. Presented by the Everyone Theatre and written by Martin McDonough, A Skull in Connemara is the second leg of the Linan trilogy that sees a gravedigger on a secret task preparing to make space in the local graveyard. This is a special audio stream from the Everyman taking place on Saturday, April 10th with tickets available at everymancork.ie. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on Lisa. On Cork's 96FM. How much do we trust particular groups of people? And they issue a chart, like literally a top 30 or a top 40 chart. And the top three positions on the chart today, the most trusted people are healthcare professionals. Then Neffet is in sixth place. 87% of those surveyed, and this is a detailed survey that they do over a period of time with very tight margins of, of error and all that. So this is a very well selected group that they've done. They've gone out and they've really done a detailed survey into trust levels. Neffet, 87% of people trust Neffet at this stage. But most interesting when you dig down into the data, is the people who trust Neffet the most are young people between the ages of 18 and 25. The very people that we're kind of saying at the weekend, what are they doing out around the lock or what are they doing out drinking in Bell's Field? They come up in the survey as being the ones who trust Neffet the most, which is a very interesting finding. Authorities and policymakers, not good, not good. Government ministers, only 31% of us trust government ministers. Politicians in general, only one in four of us, 24% trust politicians. Teachers, 88%. Gardaí, 83%. The clergy, 56% of us trust the clergy. Our ordinary citizen, the ordinary Joe or Mick or Mary or Susan in the street, 
58% of us trust that person. Just the random number. 58% of us trust the ordinary person in the street. And the lowest score, the people we trust the least. I, I'll hold that for a second. You, I wonder, who, would you know who it was? I wonder, who would you know who we trust the least? The least. Like, I'll give you the top five and I'll give you the bottom five, right? The top five, our local pharmacist is the most trusted person. Followed by the nurses, followed by doctors, teachers and scientists. And then Neffet. And then weather forecasters. But the top five, pharmacies, nurses, doctors, teachers, scientists. The bottom five, or the bottom six anyway, bankers, sixth from the bottom, government ministers, estate agents, don't trust them at all. Politicians in general, yes. Advertising executives, second from bottom. Our second least trusted individual, advertising executives. Do you want to know who the bottom is? The very, very bottom of the pile. Someone here wants to know, does Fiona Corcoran want a free driver to take her around? I'd love to be able to go to Ross Carberry. Says Jer, <laughs> you know, eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. I won't tell you yet who the least trusted. Actually, do a guess. Have a guess. Pop it in. Oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. Who do you think is the least trusted category in our Ipsos MRBI veracity poll? Most trustworthy people around us. Who are the least? Trustworthy, according to the poll. Tell you in a minute. 1857. Well, I'm holding off for a while. I am. It's funny. 1857.15996. Michael O'Sullivan says on his Twitter, I am interested in highlighting the quality and condition of Cork City public green spaces. I need volunteers to carry out very brief surveys of each area. Michael, good morning. Good morning, PJ. I was boppy along to that tune as well. <laughs> In, on headphones, though, it's a bit of a, a bit of a brain melt, but it's great. It's great. Listen, what are you, what are you at here? This this is an, a lot of people are loving this idea. It's a great idea. I think uh, it's not something I can do uh, on my own. So I just uh, made a call out about three or four weeks ago. There, I said, um, you know, how do we find out uh, what our parks are like, what condition they're in, and what quality they are. So it's a snapshot. This is a survey snapshot of March, April 2021. And within, I'd say, 10 days, I had uh, about 30 volunteers on Twitter from all over the city. And at this stage, uh, I have 26 of the 44 parks um, assessed independently uh, by local people in those areas. And... We have 19 left, and after yesterday, uh, tweet yesterday, we have uh, another 10 or 12 covered, I would say. So there's people, uh, all they're asked to do is um, look under eight headings. So it's, it's only a few minutes in each, in each right. spot. And what is it you're asking people to look for? So it's, it's like, it's, it's a bit of a, a, a little quick snapshot. It's very basic. So accessibility is one, for example. Is is the park suitable and safe 
to access for all ages and ability. So is there steps? Is there a gate closed? Is there a bollard in the way of a buggy? You know, simple things like that. The next one would be ancillary accommodation. So you're looking at seating, toilets, bins, and dog folding bins. So, and you know, like you could have those two done in a minute. Mm. You know, it's very simple. Then you have landscape features, variety of grass, planted, woodland, hard soft. You have the management. So is there a visible wildlife management plan? Uh, education, is there information boards? Uh, play value, is there equipment on site? Uh, safety and security, is the area overlooked? Is there surveillance? And the last one is cleaning and maintenance. Right. Is there evidence of vandalism, litter or dog fouling? So it's just a snapshot of our right. park. Right. You did that in your own local park, for example. I yeah. did a sample of our, our own one here uh, in Grattan Hill. So uh, Grattan, uh, Railway Park in Grattan Hill, we have been... The group was formed a few years ago just to, to try and look at ways to enhance our local park. So it had been, you know, it was fairly miserable. Uh, it wasn't well kept. Uh, it wasn't even on the council list for maintenance. So we got together. Uh, we started some painting projects. Uh, we painted uh, geometric, bright coloured designs on two of the walls. Uh, we got the council to alter the gate access. We they cleaned the equipment. They replaced some of the broken equipment, mm. and they installed new equipment. So. And can you get small support from council to do that, or did you work it off your own back? Like we did a mixture, so we got uh, uh, did some fundraising events in St Luke's. Uh, the businesses there were super. Uh, back over the last three four years, uh, we did events in the park, and we did um, we contacted the council then, and they stepped up as well. You know, and loads of other people now are trying to do this because the idea is, I guess, that we all take, if you want, possession of our own local green park, green space. And, and exactly. And I mean, a lot of the new developments, and this is happening all over the world, where new um, plazas and uh, public open spaces are becoming private. So, I mean, we have a couple of instances of that in the city, but we want to hold on to, uh, to the public ones, you know? Right, right. And, and, and people... I mean, it's not just the health and well-being, it's the community and the social uh, benefit as well, you know? So... It's like we've we've had a huge benefit here in our park where we we would would have met up uh, pre twenty twenty uh, for different events or different uh, collaborations. And I mean, you get to know people from from that you wouldn't normally meet, you know. Yeah. And everyone's equal then in the park, you know. Excellent, excellent. All right, Michael. Listen, thank you very much for that good idea. If anyone wants to get in touch with you, can they just find you on Twitter? It's at Michael P O'Sull. Great, and I sure will report back with the findings in a Do. couple of months, hopefully. Do. All right, good line. It'll be a nice time for doing it as well into the spring and, and early summer. Thanks, Michael. Good man. If you want to follow what he's at, just go to, it's just local lad here, just up around the corner. Um, Gratton Park, God, that was an awful rundown place for years. But they've done a lovely job. Uh, Michael P. O'Sull, you'll find him on Twitter. And there's lots of information and graphic as to the places that he's examined and looked at. Nice idea. Very, very nice idea. 1850-715-996. You're all wrong. You're all wrong! <laughs> i keep you in suspenders for, for a while longer, though. Uh, the, the most untrusted category in the Ipsos Veracity poll of 2021 so far. Remembering that the medical professionals, uh, your local pharmacist was the most trusted person on the poll. And then your nurse and your doctors. 
They were next. So if you want to group them together. Then teachers, very much trusted. Scientists, very much trusted. Neffet, 87% of people still have trust in Neffet. And the younger they are, the more trust they have. Weather forecasters did very well in this little survey. Gardaí did surprisingly well. Uh, I, I don't mean that in any... Just, I just I would have thought that with people, the amount of nonsense going on on social media was people doing stupid things and making stupid videos about guards. I would, I, I'm glad to see them rank as highly as they do. Economists don't do particularly well. They're about mid-table. Economists, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. The clergy and priests, they're ranked mid-table. And as we start dropping down, your your business leaders are in the bottom half of the table. And politicians way, way down the table. But who is at the bottom? 1850 Yeah, guess for me, if you will. 083 396 And just to remind you that this Saturday they are back... Trevor Welsh, the team on 96fm.ie, back for the excitement of the Premier League, all powered up by Talk Sport. Exclusive live coverage of Chelsea versus West Brom at 12.30. Leeds against Sheffield United at 3. Leicester City taking on Manchester City at half five. And then Arsenal versus Liverpool at eight o'clock. That's a big one. And Trevor and the team will have all the analysis and all the updates and the live commentary online at 96fm.ie or indeed on the Cork's 96fm app. It's the Premier League live online with now. Stream live Premier League action with a now sports or sports extra membership. And of course, listen Saturday on the app or 96fm.ie. Question number eight. Who is the Minister for Foreign Affairs and Defence? I can't believe so many people are cheating abroad that we have a Minister for Foreign Affairs. <laughs> I don't think it's affairs that happen out in Spain. He was saying, you know out in Marbella. Get out to the Minister for Affairs. Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noeldc.com. Open 24-7. Loads of you wrong. Loads of you wrong. And can I add to the list as well, uh, the People's Republic of Cork, if you trust their analysis of this programme as accurate, then, yeah, I'd be worried about you. Because they, they're looking at all different angles and they haven't got a clue. There will be a motion before council. Uh, uh, there is a motion, motion before council to crack down on house parties through something very simple that the residents have been asking for for quite some time. Catherine Clancy, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. You've been on with me about this several times. Uh, What what have you achieved? What we've achieved, I suppose, for the very first time, uh, PJ, is uh, Cork City Council um, on the 8th of March passed a motion called, uh, supported by all the councillors, all parties and independent councillors and we're very thankful to them for that, calling on the government to legislate to legislate for the very first time 
on what we call houses of multiple occupancy. They are houses that are rented out where you have six, seven or eight people who aren't related and actually rent out rooms from the landlord in those properties. And in our experience, they are totally unmanaged, unkept or maintained. And they also, you know, we would think and we believe that they should need legislation and planning permission to be converted into these type of properties. Mm. At the moment, PJ, there's probably, I suppose, uh, in the surrounding area around UCC and sprawling around the city, there's probably about 2,000 of these properties, 2,000 at least, with no mm. regulation, no management, no maintenance. And these properties, I suppose, as a business, are one of the most lucrative businesses that you can have. The average income from these properties is around maybe three and a half, four thousand euro a month. A month. And, and, and if I if I own a property um, yeah. and I put or break it up into five or six different rooms or mini apartments mm-hmm. or whatever they are, like am I not entitled to do that with my own property? You you can't divide it up into apartments. You'd have to plan a permission for that. But this situation where the landlord just went out, yeah, yeah, no. There is no plan of permission and there is no inspection there. And as well as that, I suppose the minimum legislation that there are for these landlords is that they must register these properties and these tenants with the PRTB. And in two surveys done by the residents in 2017 and last year, 70% of landlords were not compliant. It's a payment they must pay. They haven't paid it. And they were the same landlords that showed up again three years later. So obviously the PRTB aren't stepping up to the plate as far as the little bit of legislation that is there. Now this time last year, you were already flagging problems with young people moving in for the summertime. Mm. We've we've been down that road, not going down it again. And a a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about your fears of it happening again this summer. Will the motion passed the other night do anything to stop that? Well, what we're doing, I suppose, is we, you know, we're making contact with landlords as well, and we have very compliant landlords and very good landlords. So we're hoping that the message, in fairness, some landlords were probably caught on the hop last year, like you know what I mean. So we're hoping that message, and we're also hoping the message to the uh, parents of the young people in the neighbouring parishes that the message will go to them, you know, to put their children into our community for the summer at the party is not the solution to their concerns about their children not being able to get out and be active, you know. But what we hope by the legislation, I suppose, is the first stage um, PJ. Next uh, on the 8th of um, of April, we will have our residence Zoom meeting and we have a number of our TDs now who have uh, said that they will attend that meeting. So the next stage is to move it to legislation and it takes um, you know, our TDs and it takes government to change that legislation. We also have the City Development Plan coming up, so we're actively made submissions to Cork City Council on uh, you know on the development plan to changes there because we think at a minimum at a minimum you should have to have plan permission our community demographically has changed hugely over the last 20 years and Cork City Council have just set back and let this happen it's not fair and you know at this stage we probably need a regeneration plan if you walk the area by UCC and you know heading down towards the Labby the houses there are now all rented mm. and you would think you're in an area of deprivation you are far from it. You're in an area where there is a big business going on, where a huge income has been taken, and these landlords are giving the two fingers to our community and to the city. No business should be allowed to run their business and leave the premises that they run their business out. Look at those, those conditions. And also the standards for those people that are renting them. They're not cheap properties. Mm. And that's, you know, they're expensive properties, and that should be reflected in the upkeep. And also for the young people who are renting them, you know, they have no choice but to go into these properties because that's the standard that's accepted. Do you think they, they care? Need to move from that. 
I do, I do. I'm with parents, but I think some parents feel that they have no option, you know, because where will they get the better property? You know what I mean? Um, I, uh, just a recent survey there, I think it said, like, you know, in UCC, 13,000 students that attend UCC, of those, 5,000 are in managed properties. Mm. So we have 7,000 who are in properties like that aren't managed. And, in ter- and I suppose COVID in one way has highlighted, you know, the standards around, you know, the amount of uh, bathrooms that you should have per bedrooms, uh, the community space within that house. Mm. And Ireland, I suppose, are... It wasn't an issue 20 years ago, but in England it had been an issue for a long time. So 30 years ago, 30 years ago, they put in place legislation specific, specific to houses of multiple occupancy because it's seen as a different type of business. I I, I can remember, Catherine, when I Mm -hmm. was going to college, and that's not today nor yesterday nor even the day before. um, They were friends of mine from Kerry and from Limerick who'd come to Cork to go to UCC and they were staying in one room in, in a large house that wasn't this. That this isn't the problem that that grew up yesterday. It wasn't, but the quantity isn't uh, wasn't the same. Uh, PJ, like you know what I mean. If you look around the city now, there are thousands of these properties because they're seen as being one of the most lucrative businesses yeah. to get into. Yeah. And you get into that business if you open a dog kennel in the morning, or if you opened hairdressers. All the rules and regulations around running that, you can actually go into the business uh-huh. of renting out a house which will bring in an income of around 4000 a month at least and not have to have any standards maintenance upkeep or oh, management I, I know respect for the I know you know for respect to the community that you're actually moving into okay. so we're hoping that you know by highlighting it and starting using that term house of multiple occupancy because it's a new term for a lot of people but like you know it needs legislation and it needs legislation urgency urgency okay. as well like you know well, hopefully, yeah. hopefully for your case here in Cork City Council, it has started. The ball has rolled with a motion passed, and that will be passed up the line to the government and to try to regulate that. Because it, yeah, you, if you have a house with five or six bedrooms in it, a big old sprawling house with five or six bedrooms in it, at the moment you can rent out each one of those bedrooms to somebody somebody else for a hundred or two hundred quid a week, and yeah, you can make a, a lot of money out of it. And there are no rules and no regulations. And take a walk into some of them. Take a walk into some of them and you'll find they've not had a lick of paint. They haven't had a wiring. They haven't had a fuse. I was happened to walk into one not a very long time ago and they still had the old roundy fuse board. You would never see them anymore now. The, 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 the fuse board where you screwed the fuse out. Like, that's ancient and they're still up there. 1850 All right. Uh, yeah, one is right. We've got one right. Mechanics and car sales. No. No. Least trusted person. No. Mechanics and car sales. No. Uh, social workers are too. Sl- no. No. In actual fact. Uh, lawyers. No. No. Helen. No. Uh, the weather, the weather forecasters, no, actually, on the weather fork, the weather forecasters, there you go. Weather forecasters do quite well, actually. They are just below Neffet in terms of trust. Lawyers, uh, lawyers will be a bit down now. They'd be down a bit, all right. But they'd still be around mid-table or slightly below it. Uh, social workers in Tusla. No specific category there uh, that would kind of bring them into it. But they're not on it. Uh, no. Uh, is it lawyers? 
weather forecast. Reporters, now, 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 now. Reporters, well, journalists. I said journalists. Journalists would be coming in at around... You see, no, they're about 9 or 10 from the bottom. So, they've been, yeah, 48% of people would trust their local journalist. Thanks be to God, keeps us on the job. Journalists, right? Uh, politicians, the councillors, especially Michal Martin. Well, your local councillor rates below journalists. Just below journalists is local councillors. Uh, auctioneers, no. The media, no. Well, actually, here's an interesting one. The television newsreader rates higher than economists, rates higher than EU leaders, rates higher than trade union officials, and rates higher than business leaders. The television newsreader is number, number 10 on the list. A lot of people still trust their television newsreader. Auctioneers, no. Car sales, no. Politicians, says Tom. Look, I'll never go into a coalition, says Michal Martin. And then what did that Labour fella say about you? Say anything in elections get elected. That was Pat Rabbit, and he was right. <laughs> and anybody who believes anything they're told on their doorstep during an election campaign, I've said for years, should not be allowed to vote. The lowest on the list? I'll hold you for a little while longer. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. 1850-715-996, the number to call, text to WhatsApp, 083-396-9696. And also your voice notes welcome. The WhatsApp voice notes welcome at that number, 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Twitter is at opinionline96. Facebook, go to the Cork's 96fm Facebook page and send your message to us. Mark it, please, for the attention of the opinion line. Just makes them easier to find. And of course, if you missed anything in our first couple of hours this morning, podcast will be available to you in the afternoon. Speaking earlier this morning about litter on beaches and litter around Crosshaven and Graball and Myrtler and Fountainstown and all those places. And if they get nice weather at the weekend, people will just go down and leave their cans and their bottles and their banana skins and their chip wrappers and everything they can get on the beach and not bother their arse to take them home and they'll be complained about the lack of bins. And said it, just bringing the stuff home. We had had that whole conversation earlier on this morning. But I know over the last few weeks, we've also had uh, Councillor John Maher on the programme talking about illegal dumping. He's back on the Echo today in a story by Sarah Horgan, again voicing his outrage at illegal dumpers. Uh, he had some photographs on his social media and they're published in the paper as well. There was more dumping at the entrance to Ellis's yard in the last few days and he said that realistically there's nothing now is off limits for illegal dumping washing machines toys fridges and he says he's getting a bit sick of it falling on deaf ears and he's making more calls for CCTV there was a washing machine there on Monday he said on a fridge on Tuesday and he says he's been on the council for 22 months and nothing is being done so he's determined to do something about that uh, on the north side of the city is Councillor John Maher back in the headlines today for that. 1850-715-996. All right, who do you trust the least in the country? This according to the Ipsos MRBI Veracity Poll. Who are the most trustworthy people? The Veracity Index. Who do we trust the most? Well, your local pharmacist 
came out on top, then nurses and doctors and teachers and all that. At the bottom, if we count down the bottom five or six, all right, uh, bankers were sixth from the bottom. Government ministers, fifth from the bottom. Estate agents, fourth from the bottom. Politicians in general, third from the bottom. Advertising executives, second from bottom. And the least trustworthy people, according to the Ipsos MRBI Veracity Index of 2021, (laughs) social media influencers. People will be horrified. But that's who it is. Social media influencers. Considered the most untrustworthy. 1850-715-996. Now, Kate, before I go into the whole cystic fibrosis and fundraising and this wonderful drug that I want you to tell me about that you're on, you got your vaccine date. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. You got a call? I did, yeah. I got my vaccine. It's going to be this Friday. This Friday. And that means an awful lot to you with cystic fibrosis, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Definitely does. What age are you now? I'm 27. I'm 27. So you would be one of the real vulnerable ones. Like, if you got a dose of COVID, you'd be in serious trouble. I I presume so, yes. Yeah. 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 You've been minding yourself big time for the last, for the last year or so. Um, you are living with cystic fibrosis since you were a little girl. When were you diagnosed? I was diagnosed at 14 months old. Right. Right. And you had... You had, I think you had chicken pox and then it just wasn't shifting and you got the diagnosis then. And how has it changed your life? Um, it's made me, I think it's made me like to never give up and to take chances and to love every moment yeah. of my life. Live life to the full, yeah. as people would say. Were you very sick when you were young? Um, not as much when I was younger. It was more when I got to my late teens and my early 20s. Kind of only up to last year, I was very sick. Right. right. Like would the slightest thing would set you back. How many times were you in out, out of hospital, say? Um, so my first admission was when I was 21 years old. And then after that, we could always do our antibiotics at home. But other than that, it definitely would have been nearly once a year. Yeah. And then... Up to last year, um, I was on IV antibiotics nearly every, maybe two months. But we were also able to do them at home. So I was grateful I could do them at home. Yeah, because you're very prone to infections, aren't you? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, tell me about this drug. Is it called Caftrio? Yes, Caftrio. That's a new one on me. What does it do? Tell me about that. So it's a triple therapy drug for people that have at least one copy of the alter gene, which is Delta F508. Now, mm-hmm. I have I have two of those. I have double Delta F508, so it works for me. Um, but it doesn't work for everybody. There's a small percentage of people that it doesn't work for. Mm. So hopefully they will get a drug that works for them soon. Isn't that the thing about CF, Kate, that there are so many different variations of it that not one drug will work for everybody and and when you get a drug that works for you it changes everything yeah absolutely like how, what are the changes for you since you went on Caftrio so from the first day that I took Caftrio um, I was never ever ever breathless again I could 
start walking up and down my stairs, even just getting changed, brushing my teeth, just without being caught for breath. Um, I really couldn't do anything without being caught for breath. I mean, I couldn't walk my dog anymore. I used to be able to walk my dog, but it used to be a horrible struggle. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's changed absolutely everything. I've gained weight. I'm just so much healthier. I'm happier. And plus, of course, I'm on less antibiotics. Yeah. Yeah, and you just take, what, is this one pill a day or what is it? It's two tablets in the morning and one tablet at night. Okay, and that keeps, that keeps, and that because that works with your system to lessen the effects of cystic fibrosis. That's how yeah. it works. Good. Yeah, Good. yeah. Delighted to hear that. Now, you're very involved in 65 Roses Day. What's that about? So 65 Roses Day um, is a day that we get to raise awareness for 65 Roses cystic fibrosis and it also helps us raise funds for CF Ireland to provide services and provide services to CF patients and their families. Right. And 65 roses comes from the fact that it sounds like cystic fibrosis. I always mix them up when I'm trying to say them. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. That's allowed. That's allowed. So what kind of fundraisers are you involved with? So I'm holding my own fundraiser at the moment. I'm going to try my best to run 65 kilometres throughout the month of April. I've never, I could never run before, so I just think this is perfect to try anyway. Right, right. And and can people donate to you online? They can. They can donate to my own fundraiser, or even if they just donated to 65rosesday.ie, that would that would be perfect. Okay, okay. You're what? You're 20, going on 28 now. Um, yeah. There was a time, and thankfully it's in the past, there was a time when people like you did, weren't expected to live past 24, 25. But now with this wonderful drug and the other treatments that are out there, you can expect to live quite a normal life. Yeah, like I don't even have to think about that anymore. You know, I mean, there's days that I wake up and I go back to sleep and I literally don't even say, oh my God, I have CS. You know, it kind of puts, like I still do my treatments. I still yeah. take all my tablets. Yeah. But like it's just not a worry anymore. Yeah. That must be so important. Oh yeah, it is. All right. All right. Well look, best of luck to you with it and, and long may Calf Trio work for you because when I I know from talking to people in the past, when you get a drug that works for you, that is precious. Yes. That is so totally precious. Agree. And you and yeah. you've you've got that now and I think what is it, you had twenty seven percent lung function and that's more than doubled now. Yes. Yeah, that's fantastic. And sometimes, sometimes the numbers—I mean, the numbers are fantastic—but it's really all about how you feel. Yeah. And I—I never will feel like what I felt like after twenty-seven lung percent again. I can't imagine what twenty-seven percent lung capacity feels like. Like. Yeah, it's it's pretty scary. You couldn't go up the stairs to the toilet, like, could you? Even kind of brushing my teeth, like anything that would just block your breathing, you would just kind of get like you'd be breathless anyway. But then. Them, those little things just made it harder. Wow, wow, and that's all. That's all gone, thankfully, due to this wonderful thing. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, you look. At, we we've shared a link um, to the CFI donation website. We've shared that on our Twitter. And good luck with it, and continued good health and indeed improvement in your health. Thanks very much. That's Kate Walsh, a cystic fibrosis patient. We've got, and I don't know why this is. And I've spoken to so many people over the years who have cystic fibrosis and the one question that you can never seem to get an answer to is we have the highest incidence in the world in Ireland per head of population 
of cystic fibrosis. It is obviously affects people all over the world. But for our population, we have the highest incidence in the whole world here in Ireland. 1,400 people are living with it, including, including Kate. And when you get a drug that works, then that is literally a lifesaver because there were many people with CF who up to the time that they managed to develop these drugs, they didn't. many of them didn't live past their teens. I've spoken to people who lost brothers and sisters, and then I've spoken to people who thought, who, who they themselves were expected at one point not to make it through a few months, and here they are, because the right drug came along at the right time. 1850-715-996. We had one or two comments on the houses and the motion that Catherine Clancy is getting passed to have legislation covering these houses, these big old houses, with multiple occupancy. Hi, PJ. They're over 100 years old, some of them, and built for families, says just in. Declan, uh, maybe we should have legislation around owning a certain number of properties in the postcode area. We have postcodes now Stop monopolising housing resources and that'll bring up standards. Also bring down rental prices. Landlords with many properties tend to have lower standards around their tenants and around behaviour. 1850 Paul actually sent us a WhatsApp voice note. This, I think, is to do with what happens in, in Dublin. Hold on. Here is it. It's over there. PJ, in Dublin, some of the bigger houses are making 1800 a month per room because what they're doing is they're putting four and five bunk beds into the bigger rooms so you can have anything up to 10 people in a big, spacious bedroom and they have all the rooms decked out like that. Yeah, that was a primetime documentary about that, actually. Thanks for that, Paul. Paul that's a, see, that's how easy it is if you have something to say to me on a, a WhatsApp voice note that you can't do a call or you don't want to be writing it all down, just pop us in a voice note at 83 Thanks very much for that, Paul. Just getting back to level five and restrictions and what might or might not be released this evening or unveiled this evening. We now are fairly sure, according to Adam Higgins this morning from the Irish Sun and indeed pretty much all of the Paul cars this morning, nothing will change on Easter Monday. You can pretty much take that as written down. Nothing will change on Easter Monday. Then from the 12th of April, there will be some change in being able to meet up people outside. And there will be some change with regard to the five kilometres. The speculation, and I hate engaging in speculation, but there's a lot of possibility now that we'll get to travel within our county. That you'll now be able to go anywhere in our wonderful county of Cork after the 12th of April. Not a guarantee, but a possibility. And one or two other minor, minor changes as well, but nothing huge coming, and certainly nothing coming before the 12th of April. 1850 715996. KCN Ross in the morning. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. On Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, I watched it last night. I watched about an hour into it, the big royal interview. What do you think, KC? Why do they feel they had to do that? Was it damage limitation? Maybe so. Asking Cork people. And this is what we got in. Good morning, lads. Yeah, I watched that interview last night. It was basically Jeremy Coyle, where the guests had their own teeth. <laughs> 
<laughs> Which is rare. Casey and Ross in the morning with no DC Cars Blackpool. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noldc.com. Open 24 7. Corks 96 FM. Corks 96 FM. I mention if I could. Uh, for just a sec, for my good friend Kieran Delaney, a wonderful picture of Kieran as part of the Now Group uh, involved in the rollout of the Jam Card across Little Branches up and down the country. Now, the Jam Card we've featured on the program before. The Jam Card is a marvelous card that people with autism or Aspergers or any sort of a disability, like an invisible disability, if you like it, whatever, they carry this card in their wallet. And if you want to get on a bus or you're getting served in a shop or anything at all that involves dealing with other people, if you have the jam card in your wallet, then the person at the counter will give you just a minute. That's what it stands for, just a minute. And the jam card is accepted now on Bus Aaron. Uh, I think it's accepted on the trains as well. And Kieran was very, very involved in, in making that happen through his contacts in the National Bus and Rail Union. But now, and this is brilliant, Lidl have adapted the jam card so if you're shopping now in Little and you're one of these people who just needs a minute, just needs a minute, you have a little jam card and when you're shopping and you're getting your money together and looking for your card and looking for this and that, they see the jam card and they will give you just a minute. It's fabulous. I've seen it happen. My, my son has one. And when we're going on the bus, um, he'll open up his wallet with his travel pass on it. But opposite that is his jam card. And the bus drivers, they just give him all the time in the world they want to put his card onto the reader. And it's it's wonderful. It's brilliant. Such a simple, simple idea. And great to see Little uh, involved in rolling that out. And I wanted to give a, a good mention to my old friend, Kieran Delaney, who's been a real, real hard worker in getting that plan uh, rolled out. The jam card. And they're very easy to get. Very easy. Just Google it and you find out where to get one. 1850 715996. Applications now being accepted for the next Cork City Partnership course, Growing Your Potential. It's aimed at giving confidence and skills uh, to women so they can return to the workplace in the future after a period of time at home. Siobhan O'Neill is the employment support worker and course leader there. Siobhan, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Many thanks for having me on your show. Happy yeah. to do so. Who is yeah. this aimed at? Yeah, this um, programme is aimed at women who are working in the home and who perhaps are thinking about returning to the workforce and, you know, feel that their confidence is down and they need a boost to kind of help them to build up their confidence again and uh, just look at some of what's out there. So, so I suppose it's like what we cover on the course is, you know, uh, confidence building, CV preparation and interview skills, uh, personal presentation for interview in the workplace. We have a career coach who comes in and she does three uh, sessions with the women on an individual basis. And we also cover communication and customer care. But the program is also very much designed, I suppose, to offer much needed me time for women yeah. who kind of, you know, want to build a new friendship, perhaps learn something new, and open up a range of opportunities because I think particularly during lockdown, women are feeling very isolated in the home. So this is an opportunity, you know, a few mornings a week to kind of link in 
with other women online who are in the same position. And is so, it women who, Siobhan, took a few years out of the workforce to, to raise their kids and that kind of thing? Yeah. And, and now, yeah. I suppose, that gap leaves them with a skills gap, as it were. Well, actually, it's kind of interesting because a, a big emphasis on this programme is transferable skills. And this is very much getting the women to kind of look at the skills they've worked in the home and uh, comparing that with skills that they would have, you know, used when they were in the workplace. And many of those are very similar. And there recently in the training, um, one of the trainers got the women to kind of look and compare the skills that, that they've been using before to what they were using in the home. And one of the women kind of really, uh, she went looked at the list and she was amazed at how similar it was. And this is what she kind of actually acknowledged was that she had always thought that she'd left her skill set uh, in the workplace, but in fact she'd left her self-confidence at the, the door of her office. And this is what this course is about. It's building up that confidence again. Many of would, are people skills, inclined yeah. to forget... You know, Siobhan, yeah. well, I did one yeah. job that involved a certain set of skills. And, and guess yeah. what? You can take a lot of those skills and readapt them to another job. Exactly. And that's what this course is about. And I suppose an example of some of those skills that, you know, somebody might have been, uh, you know, that they're using at home would be, you know, um, sort of communication, a team player, uh, listening, decision making, planning and organizing, time management problem solving, and, you know, and managing uh, domestic finance. And that's just only a few, but also event planning and, and so on. So many of these skills are very similar to what women would have been working, would have been using in the workplace. Okay. So there's, it's just, unfortunately, for so many women, their confidence is down. And, you know, it's to get them to look at that again. And as that woman acknowledged, you know, her, she had, it was her self-confidence that she'd left at the office door, not that, that she was still using it. So it's, it's very broad, the course, you know, and I think that's a really important aspect of it, you know. And, you know, it's open to a whole range of women, all ages, and if you're over 18. And um, so, you know, it's online three mornings a week. Is there a cost involved, Siobhan? No, that's important to say that. Thanks for reminding me. It's free. And... Um, it's over 10 weeks and usually three mornings a week and 10 into 12. And that's great because that is to facilitate women, you know, who have uh, with children. Uh, so they'll be happy at that time. Okay. So that's really important. Let me bring in at this stage, Sean, yeah. stay there for me. Let me let me bring in Arlene Pope, because Arlene, you went through the course and, and you you had worked as a, as a laser, a laser Hi. therapist. That's right. Good morning, PJ. Hi. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. Yeah, um, hi, Arlene. Pretty sure you're here. Yeah, it's, it's lovely to talk to you again, PJ. I spoke with you a, a while back about a book that I wrote, but it's uh, I would say that I was in the field, and because of my transferable skills, would say from the home, SNA work is what I wanted to do. So I went away after doing this course and enrolled in an SNA course. Uh, right. So now I'm. Now that I'm going to try and clean up that phone line, Arlene. Just give me a second there, uh, Fergal. If you just take those two back, then we'll try and clean up Arlene's line a little bit. It's a bit mucky. Um, it happens sometimes because uh, I know that she trained as a, a, a laser therapist and worked in that for many years, and then went and did this course, and now 
Um, she wants to get into being an SNA and that kind of thing. So I'll just bring her back there in a few seconds. Just let me know who we've cleaned up a little bit. Um, on litter, if we're going to be staycationing, can we not organise a movement to not just remove the litter, but also to make the beaches more like they do in Spain, taking away the seaweed and the flies through measures like raking with tractors. Oh, caller, if only we could do that. I really, really wish we could. The beaches in Spain are so lovely in the morning. And if you're up early, as I am when I'm away anywhere, uh, I get up at the same time most of the time all year round, you'll see tractors out raking and gathering and stuff. And, and that's lovely. And should we be doing that in y'all? Absolutely we should. Should we be doing it in Gary Vaux? Absolutely we should. Fountain, Sound, Myrtle, you name it. We should be doing that kind of thing. I'll be back with Arlene. Thanks very much, Terry. Line three. Can you hear me now? I can hear you better now, yeah. It just happens like that sometimes. So, so go back with me. To, you, you were a laser therapist. What was that? I was. Well, I was working with um, what they're called Skinworks now with Adore in Oliver Flugger Street with Anne-Marie O'Sullivan. Um, basically, you know, when women have excess hair growth on their face, Right. Or, you know, you, you'd want to get rid of that. Or thread veins or wrinkle your treatments and facials. That's what I was doing. So a totally different set of skills I was using. Now we're still dealing with the public and, mm. um, you know, you'd need to be able to explain a little bit about the treatments and that. So I suppose, you know, when you're at home, you feel you might lose a little bit of that confidence as time mm-hmm. goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, how so long were you out of the workforce? You were at home doing very important work, of course, but of how long? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I suppose it's... I went back part-time and then I had to stop part-time work. So I suppose really I'm at home about four years right. in total. But in that time I wrote a book as well, so I wasn't exactly kind of just You weren't hanging exactly yeah. hanging around, girl. No, no, you weren't. <laughs> so what do you do now? Or what are you looking to do now? Well, I've enro- I, I enrolled in an SNA course once I had the course finished with the, the ladies in Pell. And um, so now I'm a qualified SNA. And I've applied for one or two jobs there now recently, but I suppose the area would be important for me. I can't just take any job because I still need to collect my son from school. So trying to work within a kind of triangle, if you like, of, of an area. And what gave, um, you, what gave you that interest in SNA? Well, I suppose... The book that I wrote is all about, you know, building children's confidence. And I did an adult um, literacy course a few years ago. And I thought, God, it would be lovely to work maybe with children or adults, maybe with a disability. Now, years and years ago, I went to India and I worked in Calcutta with children who were on the spectrum and who had special needs and that. And I loved it. But I suppose at the time, it wouldn't have been um, an area that I was you know, confident in going into. I suppose now after becoming a mother and dealing with all the other issues that motherhood brings, you know, you wear so many hats really, PJ, when you're at home with Mm -hmm. rearing your children. And um, those skills are very transferable. Oh, I've always said this about about women. Like if if you can successfully raise a child, you can do anything. Yeah, well, I mean, the jury will be out until he's 18. <laughs> <laughs> well, my own mother would tell you the jury's still out and I'm far from 18. <laughs> Hopefully he'll turn out okay. I didn't drop on his head anyway, he's okay. <laughs> but you know, I suppose really, PJ, any woman who's who's at home now and who's contemplating maybe a life change, I would seriously advise them to do this course. 
Okay. Like, you know, even sitting, now it's different now because everything is going to be on Zoom. We had half of our course on Zoom, but I was so very, very lucky to be in a wonderful group with amazing girls um, who, like myself, had stayed at home to wear the family and found that maybe, you know, their interests now varied and they wanted to maybe try something new. And Siobhan and Gwainia and Anne Pettit and Fanula, they're all such a wonderful team. They just encouraged us and brought us from, you know, just out of ourselves because I wouldn't have been, I suppose, I'm, I'm not really, you know, a hugely confident person. I'm, I'm able to chat away, but I just feel, you know, even going for those mock interviews made a huge difference for me. You know, it's 20 years probably since I really went into an interview setting, PJ, and everything now that you apply for is online. It's totally different. Yeah, it is. It is. And Siobhan, there's an endorsement, if ever there was one, of of the course. Thank you, Arlene. Thank you. How does does someone get involved if they're interested? Well, they can contact us, um, you know, on our email address, which is info at partnershipcorp.ie. Uh, or our website, Cork, uh, CorkCityPartnership.ie, or they okay. can raise it at 021-432310, you know. Um, okay. So any many, of those ways to Many, many ways, many, many ways. Cork City Partnership, thanks very much. Siobhan O'Neill is the employment support worker, and Arlene Pope, who's been through it and gone from laser therapist to SNA. There's a change. Thank you both. 1850-715-996. Look, speaking of families and children and young people, i got to do this here because I wrote his name down. <laughs> my nephew and my godchild, uh, my, my brother's firstborn, uh, Jack Coogan. Um, you'll know him if you're involved in Nemo. Jack, 21 today. Uh, happy 21st, young fella. Uh, we shall celebrate at some stage. We'll have to hold back on it today. And we'll hold, have to hold back on it for a while. But we shall celebrate at some stage. And a happy birthday f- to you from all of us, from all the extended Coogan clan. And I'm sure the Nemo family will join me as well in wishing Jack Coogan a happy 21st. 185715996. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. All today's breaking entertainment news, anything that's happening in Cork, we'll bring it to you and all your favourite tunes to help you along Tuesday afternoon. See you for midday on Cork's 96FM. And every so often we get messages to remind people that even in these difficult times that we're going through, there are still services available if you need help with stuff. And one of them is NAR Anon. The NAR Anon phone number, uh, we've been asked to give it out. This is for the families of people with drug problems. I guess it's a bit like Al-Anon and Gam-Anon. Uh, NAR Anon is another one. And their number, if you need help. If someone around you has a drug problem and you're trying to live with the consequences, you too need help. And it's there for you. 86 1755122 the number for NAR Anon. There's a very interesting breaking story reading it from the Irish Independent website at the moment. Fiona Sheehan is writing that the mandatory quarantine list for Ireland could double in size very, very soon. Fiona is writing at the moment on their online site that France and Germany and Italy 
and the USA are likely to be added to the quarantine list. In fact, up to 43 more countries uh, could be added to that mandatory quarantine list. What they're using as a standard, this is interested, interesting, where, where they have a variant that is causing concern or where the number of COVID-19 cases is greater than 500 per 100,000 population. The UK is not on the list of additional countries. That's very interesting. And Fiona is saying that there may well be political sensitivity. I bet there will be political sensitivities involved in that. But they're looking very seriously at almost doubling that list of mandatory quarantine countries in size uh, with USA and France and Germany and Italy being added. Bring it on, says I. And says everybody else who realises you either do mandatory quarantine properly or you don't do it at all. And we were talking earlier about the Garda checkpoints and Fiona Corcoran driving to West Cork for essential travel to do with work today. And she said she'd met three different checkpoints on her way down. And we are being warned to expect more checkpoints up to and over the weekend to keep us within our five kilometres. And someone tweets back that all this has done is create a hatred for the guards. I would say very much speak for yourself, uh, whoever you are. The driver theory test cancelled. More on that in a while, more on that. But first of all, story in the Echo today, a very interesting story. I've always wondered, you know, what it is about hairdressers and why hairdressers are specifically among the category of business closed. Because in a hairdresser, there's more soap and water, there's more sterilization going on than in many other places you would go. And we've had that discussion with hairdressers over and back and people say, look, it's the going in and the going out and all that. You can, you can t- tease that out for, for as long as you want. But the Irish Hairdressers Federation, there is such a thing, they are now asking that hair salons be permitted to open for people who are fully vaccinated, which is an interesting take on things. Amy Shanahan uh, has Amy Michelle hairdressing on High Street. Amy, good morning to you. Morning, PJ. You've been closed now for the bones of a year, I suppose. Pretty much eight months out of 12, yeah. Yeah, and it's affected everybody's business. It has, it's difficult, you know. Mm. Like, there's a picture of you there on the Echo now on page three, um, standing in front of two wash basins, and like, I, w- I would have said this at the very start. Now, we've learned a bit more about the science, but, uh, you know, we were told from day one soap and water was, was your superpower yep, with regard much. to this virus. And you use more soap and water in the course of a day inside in a salon yep. than anywhere else. But you're, you've, still, you've still been closed. But this idea that you'd open up for vaccinated people it would be very helpful for you in particular, would it? Well, I'm, I'm in agreement with it. I think... Like the Irish Hairdressing Federation are only trying to get us to open a couple of weeks earlier than what the actual opening will be. And it would take pressure off us because like when we opened last year, we were booked out for three months and we were only closed for four months. This year we're going to be closed about six. So it's just going to be very busy when we go back. Yeah. And we, of course, we have an increasing number of people being vaccinated now every day, thankfully. 
and and they tell us that by the end of April we'll have a huge number being vaccinated every day. So someone who's been vaccinated, and I think you deal a lot with with frontline healthcare workers anyway, do you? We do, yeah. About fifty or sixty percent of our clients are healthcare workers because, really? yeah, we've always done a HSE discount, so we get people travelling from all over Cork right. to us. So, like for me, it's viable to open if it's for vaccinated. Obviously, for some salons, maybe rural salons, it mightn't be, you know, to take their staff off the pop and all that. They mightn't be able to afford it. But for me, it is viable. Yeah, yeah. And do you know what the problem is? Or has the Federation been able to find out what the problem is, given that, like we said, there's so much soap and water and so much sterilising and all that? Well, I suppose... You know, we're we're dealing one-to-one with someone, obviously, but what people forget is, like, I could have nine or ten claims a day. So if you add that up over a week, it's a lot of people we're looking after. Now, we're very safe in the salon, but you're putting kind of all your faith in that person that's sitting in your chair as well, and not everybody's as serious about it. Yes, yes, yes. That's the problem. Yeah. So, like, how how many staff do you have? I have four. For. And would you be able to bring them all back if you were to open for frontline workers? If it was for frontline workers, it, it would depend. If they opened us up very soon, no, I wouldn't be able to afford it. I'd have to go in myself. If it was only a couple of weeks before we opened, yeah, I could get them all back in. Yeah, yeah. It's an idea. I wonder I wonder where, where it'll go. I know that the, the, the Federation has said, why not do that? Why not at least open us part-time for people... I think, I'll be honest with you, I don't, I don't think it'll happen because I think it's going to be very hard to police. Yeah. You know, like, who's to say that talents that open and say you're only doing them, but they might be doing regular clients as well, you know? so it's, it's That would be a one. problem, wouldn't it? Yeah, like, you know, yeah. Like, you, you have all your nurses and, and whatever that come in and they're all vaccinated. And, of course, when you have a vaccination, you see you have a card that shows you you've been vaccinated it, and yeah. all that. But then you have people coming under fierce pressure, Aragawan. And that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. that's Plus, it. Plus, the elderly could get their hair done as well. Well, it would be great for them because they've been cocooned now for the majority of the year. And like for them, it's their outlet. You know, it's it's like a little community in our place on a Friday morning. Mm. Like they go to mass and then they come in afterwards and have the chat, you know? Yeah. So it's very yeah. difficult for them. Yeah. It's a lovely idea. Like you say, you wouldn't be overly confident of it happening. And I suppose there's no way you'd be tempted to just open and be damned. Do you know what? Like, as much as I'd love to, I think it's not worth the hassle. I think you get terrible backlash from it. And it's dangerous. It's not safe at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Wait till we're told that it's safe to do so. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I think a lot of businesses will follow the idea, though, that, you know, once we get more and more people vaccinated, that maybe we could start opening services. I think so. Like, I know a lot of people are saying it'll cause a divide. But at the end of the day, it, it won't be forever. And, like businesses need to reopen, you know, because otherwise they will never win. Yeah, it's, it's a fair point. Thank you very much, Amy. Amy Shanahan from Amy Michelle uh, on High Street. Uh, there's an idea being put forward by the Hairdressers Federation that maybe they could start opening slowly for people who've been vaccinated, frontline workers like nurses, doctors, healthcare, the elderly, you know, uh, you won't be getting guards in for to get their hair done for a while because the guards haven't been touched yet which is nothing short of a scandal and of course all the teachers from the school near the Beacon College can all get their hair done or the Beacon Hospital can all get their hair done and the head of the VHI the boss of the VHI front page of the Irish Daily Mail this morning boss of the VHI could get his hair done 
Enough said, better. That young lad, that young reporter on the Irish Daily Mail is doing great work at the moment. Craig is his name. 1850-715-996. PJ, your reference to beach litter. Y'all is such a beautiful beach, but the public toilets are beyond filthy. This is disgusting and disgraceful. We haven't been there since the autumn of 2020. We're so looking forward to going down again when the lockdown permits. Thanks a million. Sorry you can't come on the air. That's okay, Maureen. Appreciate that. But yeah, like there is absolutely no reason. And sorry now, I'm going to bore you. There is no reason not to have a black bag in the car when you go down. Bring a black bag and put all your crap into it and take all your crap home. It's not rocket science. 1850 Now, Pam has called the opinion line uh, this morning... Tam, what's happened with your daughter driving test, theory test? You better tell me because I don't know. Good morning, PJ. What happened? Um, this is the third time that her driver theory test has been cancelled. Um, basically, we I checked the website this morning just because she's supposed to have her driver theory test on the 6th of April. And because we haven't had any announcements about opening up or lockdown or whatever, I just said I'd check it. And there's a big notification up there saying that all driver theory tests have been cancelled until the 12th of April, that anybody affected would receive an email and that they would have their driver theory test rescheduled again. She hasn't received any email. I tried ringing this morning to see what the story is and you know, put from post to pillar to pillar to post Mm. and basically get cut off. So I've tried bringing them five times this morning and it's the same thing every time. So I'm actually really annoyed now because each time that it's been put off, she's been put back to the back of the list again. Mm-hmm. Um, and How many times know, is it now, Pam? This is her third time having it cancelled. Yeah. And she needs the theory test to get well, started. Well, she does because she can't. We can't insure her car. We bought her a car um, the, the middle of the summer last year, thinking that oh, sure, she'll be up and running and she'll be driving by this time. You know, she can't. We can't insure it. We can't take her out for lessons ourselves. She can't get lessons. Um, it's it's just ridiculous. I mean, she was training as a beauty therapist. That was cancelled. So she went off and she did an SNA course, <laughs> which you were speaking about earlier. She is now qualified as an SNA, but she can't apply for jobs or anything now because she won't have transportation to get her to wherever it is mm. that if she did get a job, you know. So And how long been, was she waiting for the appointment? Well, she applied last, I think, last April. No, she had she had it. She had a test booked, and that was cancelled. And then they they when they opened up again, they gave her a new test date. Uh, but anybody who had basically their tests booked, they got to do their tests. But the people who whose tests were cancelled mm. were put back to the back of the list. So, and has she been given like? the 6th of April now gone that was supposed to be next Tuesday has she been given a rescheduled date? No, no she hasn't even been given an email from them to say it's been cancelled so as far as as we're concerned it's still going ahead but according to their website everything is cancelled now and you cannot rebook anything until the 12th of April Yeah, we've just double checked there there's a message on their website which says in light of level 5 It's ridiculous 
I know. But even even if it is, like, I know it's going to, it's cancelled now and whatever, but if they put everybody back by however many weeks it's going to be and let the people who had their test booked for the sixth mm. be the next ones up to be tested, but if that's not the case, they're just putting everyone back again. I read somewhere that there's 5,300 and something people waiting in Cork for a theory test. What? Wow. Yeah. So... Now, there was speculation or there was talk saying that they were supposed to go online for theory tests. Mm. um, And they are doing that for truck drivers and bus drivers and stuff, but not for general cars. So they need they need to get that sorted. But it's it's just ridiculous. So she's sitting out there. She's got a new qualification. She wants to go and get a job. And there's plenty of need out there for special needs assistance. And she's got her little car sitting in the drive that her parents bought for her. And she can do nothing. No, absolutely nothing about it. So, just thought I'd let you know what the story is. Thank you very much for that. You did it really well, Pam. Thank you. 1850-715-996. That's confirmed from their website. Again, it's down to level 5 restrictions. All driver theory tests suspended until the 12th of April. I guess if they're doing them, it might sound like a stupid question, probably is. If they're doing them online for trucks, and if they're doing them online for buses then why can't they do them online for private cars? The Cork's 96FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100-euro shopping voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. Join the Quark's 96FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or see 96FM.ie. We will know what we know when the Taoiseach speaks about it this evening and not before. And we will discuss it when we're back in the morning just after nine. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.